I want to talk to you this morning about, I don't know if I call it a tool or, I don't know, just something that, that can be helpful but can also be dangerous, kind of like fire. When you think about fire, you know, it does a lot of good things for us. It, you know, lights up the room, it uh, provides heat for the house, but obviously there are dangers involved too. You know, the two rules that we teach the servers, be reverent and don't burn the church down. And they do a good job of that. Obviously, the church is still standing. But, you know, we don't sort of like to make sure that they don't burn the church down. It's like, not like we don't have candles and we don't get rid of the incense. And we still have the fire, but you got to use it in the right way. And what I want to talk to you about today is kind of like fire, but in some ways I think even more dangerous than fire when put in the wrong hands and used in the wrong way. And I'll just say to kind of get into this, because I like obscure cultural references, uh, if you know the song American Pie by Don McLean, he says that fire is the devil's only friend. I don't think that's the case. I think it's what I'm going to talk about today. Shame is the devil's only friend. Now, shame, like fire, can be used in the right way when it's in the right hands. And it sort of depends on where it sort of falls in the timeline of whether or not we sin. Attached to a lot of sins, thanks be to God, is shame. I mean, just for example, you know, the, the sin of the hour, here as we're, you know, looking at this particular gospel, adultery. It's a shameful thing. And it's there to help us to avoid falling into a deep trap. I like to think about shame like a guardrail on a mountain highway, right? Just think about if you go west in the state of North Carolina. We have some highways that are next to some big cliffs. And I, for one, when I'm driving there, kind of appreciate the guardrail because you know that it is going to help you to stay on the right path, right? It's going to help you from going off the cliff and into the depths, just like shame when it comes to some of the big sins. It's there to help us to stay on the right road, to stay in the right place. And the church gives us shame attached to some things to help us. Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. Don't look at that stuff on the internet. Well, it's just, you know, it's a private thing. No, I mean, it's still a shameful thing. It's not helpful. Don't do it. And the devil, at this point, likes to whisper in our ear, oh, what does the church know? You need to be happy. This is what you want. I mean, just go for it. This is, this is how you'll be satisfied. Just, you know, reach out, be unfaithful to your spouse. It's not a big deal. The devil whispers and tries to remove that guardrail and to get us to drive off the cliff. Now, switch up the timeline. Once we've fallen, once we've given in, once we've driven off the cliff, the roles with shame reverse. The devil jumps down there and picks up the mangled guardrail and beats you over the head with it. No longer does he whisper. Now it's, how could you do such a thing? You're terrible. You're horrible. You can never get up again. You're not worthy. God can't love you. But the reverse is that our Lord at this point does everything he can to take the shame away. It's like he comes down the cliff, comes down to give us healing, to bind up our wounds, to take the shame away, and to say, I didn't create you for this. I didn't create you to be down here. I want you to be up top. Don't worry. You don't have to wallow down here. Come back up. 
He comes to save us from the effects of the shame after the fact. Now, I'm sure it's kind of obvious why I'm going on about shame in relation to this particular gospel, right? I mean, we can see here this whole scene that we know so well, right? What's going on with sin? Obviously, our Lord wants us to be free from sin. He's not like, ah, you know, it's no big deal. Adultery, it doesn't really matter. Just read the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. I mean, he tells us there, you have heard it said you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you, whoever lusts after a woman in his heart has already committed adultery. Like, he raises the bar. He wants us to be free. He gives us the guardrail of shame for a reason. But he's not in this to stone us, to knock us down. He wants to raise us up. And think about this. As we see the woman and where the Pharisees place her, in the middle, right? They bring her out and place her in the middle of them. Next week is Palm Sunday, Passion Sunday. We're going to get to listen to and reflect on the Passion account according to the Gospel of Luke. And so we'll be meditating on that, but think about this. In the midst of the Passion, where is Jesus crucified? In the middle, in between the two thieves. That is where he is placed. He steps into that place that today we see the woman caught in adultery. He climbs down the cliff. He comes down to free us from our shame, from our sin. He wants us to be free. And at this point of Holy Week, here we are, five weeks in. As I said, next week already, Palm Sunday. Two weeks from today, Easter Sunday. I'll tell you. Enjoy the parking place today and the easy way of getting a seat. Because you know, two weeks from today, it won't be as easy, right? We're going to have a lot more people here. Like we know Easter's on the horizon. And I hope at this point of Lent, you've already gotten the chance to go to confession, to encounter the healing of Christ, to know that no matter how bad the sin, even if the devil convinced you, ah, it doesn't matter, and then starts beating you over the head with the shame after the fact, you can be forgiven. The healing is there. God is so good and wants us to be raised up and says to us, neither do I condemn you. Go in from now on, do not sin anymore. He wants us to live in that freedom and he wants us to share it with other people. And I think that's a big, important thing to recognize as we move forward to the end of Lent, as we move towards Easter, as we look ahead to Pentecost and the glory of the gospel going out to the whole world because all of us are called to share with the world the good news of the fact that Jesus came to save us from our sins, to save us from the devil beating us over the head with shame. And this gospel gives us a good account of that. Now, I have been debating with myself all week. Do I tell you this joke? Because... My grandfather told this to me, or at least I was within earshot when I was in the third grade, and he told a couple of jokes. In fact, one of them I told to my third grade teacher, I'm not going to tell you it today because I got in trouble then, and I don't feel like scandalizing you. But this is one of the other jokes, obviously not as bad. It's a little irreverent, but I'll tell you anyway. So my grandpa said, you know, they bring the woman caught in adultery in the midst of them, and Jesus said, let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And all of a sudden, from behind Jesus' back, a stone flew over and hit her right between the eyes. 
And Jesus turned around and said, Mom! Okay. Now, there are theological truths involved there, correct? She is the immaculate conception. She is without sin. It's an irreverent joke, right? But the thing is, when you get right down to it, the good news for us in this is when you think about our Blessed Mother, who is without sin, right? By that special prevenient grace, saved from sin, loves her, sin, loves her son, is with him all the time, Think about all of the times she's appeared over the years, right? Over the centuries. A couple of my favorites. When she appeared at Lourdes, she appeared at Fatima. What does she keep telling us? Pray for the conversion of poor sinners. She doesn't come to cast stones. She comes to help us, we who have fallen, we who need that help, to help one another, right? There's this beautiful scene in the midst of her apparitions to St. Bernadette at Lourdes where she's talking to Bernadette and at one point she just kind of looks up and looks off into the distance and suddenly looks sad. And then she looks back down at Bernadette and says, pray for poor sinners. She loves us and wants us to experience the love of her son that she has. When it comes to our faith, This isn't one of those things where it's like, I've got mine, look at me, I'm better than everybody else. No. We want all of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We want all of us to know the glory of that healing. And we who have had the opportunity to go to him in confession, to be healed, to have that shame taken away, we want other people to experience it too. That's part of the glory of having our sins forgiven. There's a tradition that this woman, the one who's caught in adultery, is Mary Magdalene. If you've seen Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ, that's the way he depicts it. And think about this. She's the one here in this scene, right? She's the one who's the first person to encounter the risen Christ. She's the one who's the apostle to the apostles, who goes to announce the good news of the resurrection. Look at what happens. Jesus brings her up from the depths forgives her sins, says, go and sin no more, and look what she gets to do. The same is true for you and for me. We have the universal call of holiness. We are called to go out there and share it. And here's the thing, we don't have to wait until we're perfect. This is an amazing thing in the second reading today. This is St. Paul. He's writing to the Philippians, from prison, by the way, and he is the apostle to the Gentiles. He has this incredible relationship with Christ. As he says, compared to everything else, he considers it all all rubbish if he has to lose our Lord. But even he says, it is not that I have already taken hold of it or have already attained perfect maturity. Even he's still climbing the mountain. Even he probably still has to fight off the temptation towards shame. He used to persecute the church. He has to keep going. But what does he do as he keeps going? He reaches out to other people. To let them know that that upward calling in Christ Jesus is what we're called to. And every one of us can help other people to experience that in our own way. We may not see the fruits of it until into the next life. We may not know the part that we play. And here's the difficult thing here too. We may not see the final goal achieved in people we're praying for. You know, children, friends, family members that are fallen away, right? Think about St. Monica. 
prayed and prayed and prayed for her son, St. Augustine. Prayed for him to come in. But it wasn't her who finally sealed the deal, so to speak. It was St. Ambrose. He's the one who finally got through to St. Augustine. But St. Monica played her part. And my friends, we're called to play a part too. First and foremost, we have to be open to the fact that he loves us, that he gives us the gift of shame to keep us on the right course. But also, once we've fallen, he's there to send the devil away, to keep him from beating us over the head, and then to get up again, to share with other people the fact that we have hope, that we have a Savior who has entered into all of this with us to raise us up to be with him for eternity, to find out, you know, the first reading from Isaiah, that he wants something better for us, even in the parting of the Red Sea and the leading the Israelites through. He wants us free from what divides us, free from what keeps us from him, free from sin. And then the beautiful news for us, he also wants us to go out there and help others to encounter that as well. How incredible it is that he does all of this for us. That he saves us from the devil's traps of sin. That he brings us to himself and even gives us himself in this Eucharist. Let's pray for that grace that no matter what we carry, even if it's been a long time, if you haven't been to confession, go. There is no sin that he won't forgive, only the one that we refuse to go and repent of. Then, being lifted up from the depths, knowing that love, that love that he gives us so fully in himself, to pray for that grace to share it well with whoever comes into our path. Praise be Jesus Christ.